Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call. Get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Really smashes this ball to deep center field. Luke Raley puts the Rays in front. Anonymous before the year. Not so now. Luke Raley hits a go-ahead shot. There you go. Luke Raley with the home run. Joe Davis with the home run call. What a home run call. What a home run. What a game. What a race. The race. They are a game within the Orioles, American League East, and they're playing each other. How awesome is that? All right. Well, we got plenty of baseball to get to, but we're going to take a break and focus on a big, big bit of news that happened on Thursday, and that was the firing of Chief Baseball Officer of the Boston Red Sox, Haim Bloom. We have a lot of thoughts on this. So I had a lot of thoughts on it, and the who says no guys. You may know them from their who says no trades. Well, they have some thoughts on it. Sammy, Sammy, Gordo, and Coop all join me for a lengthy conversation about all the what's what and the who's who and the why's why when it comes to the Heimbloom situation. At BB isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. Twitter account, Instagram, subscribe, rate, review, the whole ball of wax. This is a long one, so we're going to get right to it. Dig in. Everything you would want to know about the Heimbloom situation. Sammy, Gordo, Coop, myself. All right, I don't know if anything happened today in the world of the, the Red Sox. I know that a lot of stuff happened throughout baseball because it's crunch time. But as we sit here taping this on, uh, we're halfway through September. And halfway through September, you got a couple, two more weeks left in the regular season. Pennant races, divisions, wild cards, they're all being defined. But while we're waiting out all those things, we had a, a, a day of chaos in base in Boston. Sammy, say hello. Hello, hello. Coop, say hello. Oh, McFarlane. No, well, yeah. Oh? Yeah. No yeah. free ads? No, no. It's it's this is, you know, 
nationwide. So we we uh, oh okay okay yeah, well, hello yeah. everyone yeah we uh, so FanDuel me. in that case FanDuel yeah okay FanDuel. promo code boring. <laughs> exactly exactly but, uh, what's up rob how are you feeling today i'm tired i can I, imagine i i it, it was and our, our guy gordo is going to join us and of course this is the who says no crew you know them from being the who says no crew um so i'll i'll give you sort of the lay of the land and from my perspective how this shook out which was the morning you know so it was a doubleheader Obviously, everyone's just worn down from massive amounts of rain delays and long games. And so now this is the last game, Red Sox-Yankees, doubleheader. So you have availability in the morning. Clubhouse open, I think, you know, 10-20. Nothing really noteworthy about the clubhouse at all. Talk to Trevor Story for a little bit for something I'm going to drop probably on Monday. Um, He did something. yeah, they went over to the Yankees. There wasn't really anything going on over there, and then uh, and then so just walking around, and then uh, go up to um, Alex Cora, and and the only thing noticeable about Cora was he was very subdued. But you figure like, oh well, it's been a long night, it's been a long week, got a big long day ahead of you, so all right. But nothing really of no in terms of things he said, but noticeably sort of subdued. And then went down the, to the dug out just looking for something to do sat down with um and gordo's joining us now so he'll jump in a second but sat down with uh, a guy named zach weiss who is uh a pitcher uh, who's a good that's got a really good story one of these guys who was waved out of the minor leagues a couple of years ago independent ball gets picked up finds himself in back in the major leagues and also was a salesman for pants at lululemon like two years ago so that made it all worthwhile so i'm thinking Natural. my my day is going to be highlighted by talking about how to sell pants at lululemon from zach weiss i literally think that is going to be the highlight of my day did you do the sell me sell me this pen i did I yes. absolutely did. I got oh, the, I got the tw- 20 minutes of like, sell me the pants. And he's talking about the zippers and he's talking about flexibility and all of that. So he's, he's a good guy, a good personality. We'll get to that later. So anyway, I go back up to the press box and someone says, Bloom has been fired. Boom. There. And then boom. Email shows up. Boom tweet shows up everyone's okay and then about 15 minutes later they say okay there's going to be a press conference with sam kennedy so you're going from bloom fired get the basics out there uh and then kennedy talks at 12 45 clearly my takeaway from sam was that you know this was weighing on him Emotionally, like what he talked about, you could tell, like he, because, because one of the things, and I will talk all about Heim Bloom. The spoiler alert, we're going to talk all about Heim Bloom. But one of my takeaways was that Heim is genuinely like one of the nicest people. Like, Coop, you've been around a little bit. Like, he's generally like one of the nicest people you'll meet. Like, just a good human being. And you could see that that was weighing on Sam. Um, throughout this sort of press conference. And, uh, you know, he's getting all the talking points. Uh, as I said to Sammy, you know, rattles off the North Star reference a million times, which I hate. 
I keep hearing this North Star. It's our North Star. I don't know, like, who, what PR person said, keep saying North Star. Like, I don't that. know who taught him astrology either. I don't, well, was he I know. heading towards that direction? No, was well, he but this is for the North Star. I've been dropping this all over the place, the North Star thing. It's our North Star. Anyway, uh, the North Star today was me getting through the day. This podcast was my North Star. And so, uh, and then come off of that, do a hit on MLB Network Radio. And then basically the rest of the day is just a flurry of high and bloom this, high and bloom that. Um, you're digesting it. You're thinking of can, who's going to replace high and bloom. You're thinking about what happened to high and bloom. Um, I'm just going to go through each of you and get your guttural reaction to this news. Um, because I think that that's the most important thing right now. Sammy, I'm going to start with you. So what do you got? What was your, and I love the word guttural reaction. What was your guttural reaction to this news? Well, my guttural reaction at first, I was surprised because I figured if they did let Bloom go and we heard the rumblings, but if they did, I figured it'd be after the season. After I thought about it a little more, it's kind of like, why would you wait? If you're going to fire the guy, fire him now. Um, but overall, surprised in general. I liked Bloom. I thought he was trending up, trending in the right direction. His major league teams could have been a little bit better, but we were told he was brought in to build a sustainable contender. That starts with the farm system, like I've said multiple times on this show. There's one way to build the team nowadays, and it always starts with the farm. Thought that was trending in the right direction. But what this means to me is that they like what he did with the farm, but they did not believe that he could land that big fish, that big starting pitcher, ideally, that we've been talking about hypothetically on this podcast for weeks now. So that's where I'm at. A little disappointed. I would have given him the offseason if it were up to me, but I understand. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, shock. I think of of us, I think I've probably been the hardest on Heim. I mean, I, I did say he should be fired after the Xander Bogarts <laughs> thing. Yeah, if we remember that. That was a bit reactionary, I. but I still stand by. Like, I don't think he ever really showed himself as an executive. He showed himself as someone who can really take charge of a developmental, like, program. I, what he did for the farm system is undeniable. I don't, like, even the biggest Bloom haters cannot say, hey, where we were in 2019 is better than where we are right now in 2023 as far as bringing up young talent. That's un- undeniable. We've seen that the last few months. And I appreciate that out of him. What I didn't appreciate was him continually like putting off making the team competitive. There are opportunities to make the team competitive within the last two years, and he wasn't able to do that. And I think that's maybe what soured his relationship with ownership because they are of the mind of whether it's practical or not. People can argue this until they are blue in the face to stay competitive at a World Series level, which I, I'm sure John Henry would love to hear. Uh, while also trying to build a farm system, that it's a it's a tough task. I'm not surprised it didn't work out. I I can't say it didn't work out because I think odds are someone's going to swoop in and be able to take take a team to a World Series in the next few years. Like the the crop of talent that the Red Sox have is good. The rest of the AL East is com- comparable. I mean, the Orioles are good at in how young they are, but they're not unattainable for the Red Sox. The, the Red Sox have the opportunity now to bring someone in that can spend. It's, 
it's not a great free agent class, but you can also bring in someone that's willing to move these pieces that Heim Bloom was unwilling to part from. That's what I'm excited about. That's but at the end of the day, I don't think they gave him enough opportunities to prove he can be an executive. You know, who's to say that he hits November, December and actually signs Yamamoto? That's a reach. But who's to say he does not do that? That's what we do on this podcast. Who's who says no? I would have liked to have seen him go to the end of the calendar year. That's what what I would have really loved to have seen because he, he is a guy that genuinely wanted to win. I, I I don't think anyone can actually say that like Heimblum wanted to ruin this team. And if you do, you're just trying to get clicks. It he was a good executive, or not a good executive, but he was good at the front office. It's just he wasn't good at making decisions, and that's what ended up getting him at the end of the day. Like I, him saying the underdog stuff and wanting to stick with this team. That's what I think killed him. And I think he understood that gamble when he did that at the deadline. So you went from wanting to fire him after this Andrew Bogarts thing to saying, I don't, he shouldn't have been fired today. Yeah. I, the, and that's like, I, I recognize that as like flip flopping, but circumstances change and everything. And once you're, once you're firmly in that boat, like there's nothing else you can do. Like we're, we're now at a point where we are in the waters trying to decide where this team is actually going to go. We, we understand where ownership wants to go. They are World Series or bust, as Sam Kennedy was saying, uh, changing his tune, even though he says that is always the tune of the team. Will they actually like bring in someone that can do that? I don't know who's out on the market right now as far as executives, who you're going to have to lure away maybe from some teams. Uh, but it, that that's what the matter is. I mean, I would have liked to see him actually do something because what else are you doing at this point? Like You're just dead in the water now. All right, Gordo, your turn. You all right? You there? Yeah. No, it, where, I just don't know where to begin because okay, okay. I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Heim Bloom is perfect because he's made his fair share of mistakes. He, it's fair to have gripes with him due to his lack of decisiveness. You could not like some of the moves he made or more so didn't make, but I just think this is a dark day for the Red Sox. I think it's a bad day for the organization. Heim Bloom was brought here five year, four years ago to conduct a full-on rebuild. They were going to throw some makeup on it and pretend that they're contending and try to contend. But the first step and the only step in every one of these years is build this team from the ground up. And every single one of us on this podcast says that he was doing just that and he was doing a great job of it. And even the biggest Heim Bloom haters say that he was doing a good job of that. Now, he wasn't perfect, but the fact of the matter is he wasn't given an opportunity to see out and enjoy the fruits of his labor. Like he has been doing everything he has been doing has been, and I know you guys hate the North Star thing, but that's what this is. Like he has been waiting for the, for this crop of prospects that he drafted, that he signed his guys. He was waiting for these guys to hit the bigs. Like this low of prospect capital that he says that that he wants and the organization wants coming in year in, year out, that was finally starting to show itself. It was finally starting to peek through like the little buds, like the seeds turn into buds and like you're so close to seeing it turn into flowers and then you just cut the stem off. And I want to, I want to go back to the deadline because the deadline is such a pivotal time for bloom and where this whole thing went. I want to look at the Angels and how they handled the Shohei Otani circumstance because it's very similar. Mm. 
It, no, Coop, I'm going to tell you why it's similar. Because they had Shohei Otani, and they wanted to keep Shohei Otani. And they sort of felt like this season was do or die. We need to make the playoffs, or we have no shot at keeping Shohei Otani. And it's similar because Bloom, in his mind, could have been thinking, I need to get this team to the playoffs or I'm going to lose my job. A lot of people in this market thought that, that if they didn't make the playoffs, Bloom was going to lose his job. And eventually that's what happened. Heim Bloom could have done what the Angels did, which was trade several of their top prospects to acquire all these different guys that maybe they could have made the difference, but they didn't make the difference. And that team failed miserably. They fell way out of contention. They fell out so fast and they're going to lose Shohei anyway. And now they don't even have a future of anything to look forward to. Heim could have done the same thing. He could have traded any of these. He's got loads of talent in the farm and he could have traded any of it to try to save his job. And he didn't do it because he stuck to his principles. And that's one thing that Heim always did while he was here is he stuck to his principles. And I'll always commend him for that. And that, honestly, that's probably the biggest reason why I think this firing was unjust. Because I wonder what percentage of execs would have traded parts of the farm that they didn't think were worth trading because they thought they were going to lose their job. He didn't do that. I would have given him one more year. I've said that all along. Would have given him one year to prove. I want to see you up on a crucifix on the uh, crucifix on the monster, man. That was that was a sermon on the mount. It, it was good. It was good. I mean, that has been boiling. I mean, this has been, let's see, as we sit here, it's been about 11 hours. It's 11 hours, baby, in 11, my head. 11 hours percolating. How long, how long did the, the stemming uh, analogy take? <laughs> oh, I thought of that one on the spot, actually. That, that okay, so that, that one's been brewing for 11 hours mm-hmm. itself as well. Mm. Uh, maybe. Maybe in the back of my mind. If you well, can, that's, can. that's a good, it's, it's an imperfect comparison, but it's a good comparison. I get, I get where you're going with that. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to one thing you said about how, you know, Sam Kennedy, uh, John Henry, even if he ever gets in front of a mic, talked about how they want to have a rebuild while contending. And everyone says, yeah, you can do that. You can rebuild while contend. Dodgers have done it. Maybe kind of, sort of, they were like a, took them a little bit. They took a, a couple years. So, so there's, so there's one example. So if you are number one out of 30, then you can make it happen. So here's what bothers me is ownership said this over and over and over again, knowing that the chances of this actually happening, contending while rebuilding are close to none. Could it happen? Sure. Will it? Probably not. They kept saying it over and over and over again, coaching the fan base into thinking that it's, this is something that all teams do. This happens a lot. We won't give you examples because there's only one, but this happens all the time. And now today, they change their tune and say, oh, we want to be contending World Series contenders every year. So it went from sustainable contender that we're rebuilding, and now they're disappointed. And to me, it's kind of like, do you think... The frustration for me is not Bloom being let go. It's the way that it's being framed by the Red Sox. We're not dumb. The Red Sox fan base, I would say, and I know people will disagree, I think we're one of, if not the most, intelligent fan bases. And the way that Kennedy and co., have framed this is a bit insulting. Like we're not paying attention. We don't understand what's going on. So I'm frustrated for a different reason, but your comparison is what made me think of that. So, so well done. I think you did a good job with that. Well, think about it though, Sammy, with their changing tone, doesn't it give you a little bit of fear? And I know that they won the world series in 2018. So maybe some people won't take this as fear. Maybe some people will take this in a good light. 
But I'm just so scared that it's going to be the exact same thing as when they canned Ben Charrington and brought in Dave Dombrowski. And yes, they won a World Series, but they took what could have been a long-term sustainable air, yeah. like window of contention and shrunk it into three, basically four if you count 2019 because they did go for it, but three or four all-in years. And like, don't wait get me wrong. Wait, 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 wait. Let's back this up. Let's okay. back that up. Tell me why they did that. No, what, 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 how did they do that with Dombrowski? Because that's a narrative that sort of drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, their their farm system didn't have as many players in it who might make the major leagues. That's true. But with Dombrowski, this, this narrative where he just gutted the thing to win a World Series and to compete, um, it, it just – it's wrong. I mean, it's I just – It's not it's about not the gutting. He gutted it. It's that he never – Look at his draft history. It's awful. Oh, oh, Tosses, okay. uh, good. How? Probably, that's, Bayo, Bayo was a Dabrowski-era guy. Uh, yeah, well, I that know. came that's, late. That's, that's, if that's, the Red Sox weren't finishing last and getting high draft picks, would you be saying the exact no, same? No, but, yeah, but listen, I mean, wait one second. It's just, you, when you talk about like that 2019, when you get to 2019, and they're like, oh, this is such a disaster. And listen, he was... He was let go. They were pissed off about how the Evaldi contract and the sale, the Evaldi contract, which turned out to to be a decent contract, the sale contract, which, you know, they can blame him for sale, that deal, but they signed off on it. John Henry sat at the bench at the beginning of 2019 and said, we screwed up the John Lester thing and we're not going to do it again. That was in mid-February. Sales signs the extension in early April. So did Dombrowski want to do that deal? Yeah. But you know who else wanted to do it? They wanted to do it. And then sure. then uh, whatever X amount of months later, they're fi- he's firing. So my point is with the Dombrowski thing is that, yeah, you know, they did not have a deep farm system as deep as they do now. But at the same time, he didn't trade away guys that hurt him. That he I just did that. That's just no. That's just a fact. He was really good. The difference here is that the approach that Heim has taken is that when they do deals, and we've talked about this before, they do deals. They're getting the five guys back instead of the one. Dombrowski's getting the one guy back and giving up five. Okay, but the, the the problem is is that is that yeah, you have more guys, and a couple of them will become major leaguers and probably useful major leaguers, but you need the guys. You need to go get the guys. You need to find the guys. And, you know, I'm getting off on a tangent about the Dombrowski versus Bloom, and I'm not, I don't mean to because I don't think that's fair. It's I think that Bloom did a lot of good things, did a lot of good things. You know, you look at the team, like you guys said, you have that team that we've seen out there. They're not that far away. He did a lot of good things. But at the same time, it's not a mystery to me why this happened. Fair or not, it's not a mystery. No, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think it's exactly what I said, where it's he took that gamble of I'm going to stand pat with this team. I'm going to, like, the roster that I constructed at the beginning of the year, the few guys I picked up in the meantime, is enough for what I'm able to gamble on. Well, yeah, and he, like, that was, I think that's the risk. Like, well, if it worked out, it, like, we're not sitting here having this conversation, but. Yeah, didn't work out. It's it comes it comes it comes down to this: is that the promise 
the potential of promise, which is what this where we were sitting in here. We were that's what we were sitting with the potential of promise. That's what you were writing out. That's what you were selling the fan base. That that had pushed so much of the passion and so much of the energy from the fan base away because you need some of the present. You just did. There wasn't enough of the present. The present, obviously, as I wrote, like, it's in the standings, it's in the stands. That's what it is. Can I ask and you a question? Really, what, what, I, that It pertains to that exactly. So okay. on Monday, they or the, two, the Monday postponed game moved to Tuesday, that first game. They had the announcement that it was 30,000. Yeah, tickets sold. Tickets yeah. sold. Do you think that they look at that? Because this is like the few, the two economics classes I took in college paying off right now. They look at that as people are buying what they have, but no. they're unwilling to no, like, what actually they, attend what the game they right hear, now. I but they're more so looking at, they are now at the point where Red Sox-Yankee games are not being attended despite being sold. So going into the future, they already see that demand is no longer there. there Do you think that's scary? To, scared to, to me, to me, if I had to guess, I feel like the dollar ticket thing was the final nail in the coffin. Like that was a, the, the apathy that came with that. that like, and this is, that's the word right there, guys. That is the word. That is the thing that this ownership group has. If they hear apathy, they freak out. And that's where the course correction comes in. And that, to me, and I keep using that, the course correction. I said this before. This ownership group, that's all they've done. That's all they have done. And we've been waiting for it. Course correction when it comes to managers. Course correction when it comes to general managers. Course correction when it comes to Lester, Price, Sale. Course correction when it comes to Cuban players. You know, all of it. Like, all of it. And we're sitting there waiting, knowing the history of this ownership group, for that course correction because it had reached a point where in the standings, that was, I don't care what sort of long-term plan you have, you can't land there. You just can't. As the Boston Red Sox, because what that does is that that impacts what we see in the stands or just the overall passion of the fan base. I mean, we talk about the Dodgers fans coming in, and, yeah, you know, it was an organized thing, but that's a terrible look, too. It, this goes back, this whole, the, the, the path that we have seen to Bloom getting fired on this day as we sit here. I, I forget who, is, who said it, Gordo, about the trade deadline. Or is, it was a trade deadline. And not just because of them not doing anything at the trade deadline, that was just sort of the springboard to this whole conversation. Because you're right about the Angels. Okay, you know, you could have saved your job potentially doing this or doing that, doing this. I don't care what you do. What you had to do, you had to put yourself, you had to put your team in the best position to compete because you were in a competitive situation. And he did not do that. And from what you hear, the ownership was not happy that nothing was done. Now, and I know I'm ranted here, but you just bear, hear me out. See, now, this trade deadline is another microcosm of where the ownership was probably rolling their eyes. Because one of the biggest knocks on Heim is that, and this isn't just with fans, believe me, I just heard it for, again today as I was driving home from Fenway. I talked to a scout who was at a minor league game with a GM. That GM, unsolicited, 
said, man, try to make a trade with Heim was next to impossible. Like, that's what they were saying. And we hear this narrative over and over and over again. So when ownership is making this decision and ownership is saying, listen, we got to make some bold moves here. There isn't the history. There isn't the narrative. There isn't the examples where you suggest that he's going to change enough to make those moves necessary to bring in that passion back to the fan base. Cause that's, we can talk about long-term plans and winning and sustainability and rebuilding guys. The here and the now about where this fan base is right now had a huge part in this. So there you go. I Rob, guess the winter the winter classic paid off. So what do we think about what do we think about the payroll situation? Because I know a lot of people, national people, not local people, national people. Oh, the the, the Jeff the Jeff, the Jeff Passant, come on! It's not just him. What what that they that they, they, they had they were they were high they were high and they won they won and the payroll drops well I would say this is that you know what Not did we clip. well I think that I don't have a problem so much with the payroll because it wasn't like they didn't spend money like they spent seventy million dollars in, in paying out to free agents for this year. So they paid money. They said that we're hey, we're going to pay money. We're going to we're going to, we're going to we're, we have all this money to spend. We're going to do it in the offseason. The problem was how they did it, and a lot of it was very effective. But once again, it's you know, and we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast about when are you going to get the guy? When are you going to win the battle for the guy? When are you going to start winning these other battles? that you have when you go into free agency. And obviously the guy sitting there is Yamamoto, the guy that you know that you're going to have to compete. And and everybody knows this, everybody. And the ownership knows this. And I'm not saying this is why Heim Bloom got fired, but when they're saying to Heim Bloom, much like they did with Dave Dabrowski, it's your deal. You get, you have You do it your way. And it, if it reaches a point where it's the wrong way, you're going to be fired. Well, they reached a point where they have to do something different because of all the things I said. And the, the way that it was trending with, with Hyde probably didn't leave them with a ton of confidence. And there's just, there was just too many examples. I just gave you some. And I mean, I haven't brought you about the sale thing. You're welcome. That you makes know, sense. That makes sense, though. That, that's, that's where I was at. I was thinking, okay, he's finally in a place where he can make a big splash and there's no kind of asterisk next to it, like the system's bad, we don't have the money under the luxury tax. He's finally able to do all that. And I said weeks ago, if he is fired, it's probably because they don't think he has the capability to make one of those moves. So, again, I'm okay with it. I would have kept him, but I get it. I get it. I just It has to mean they did not believe he could make that big move. And that is completely separate from the PR stuff that I don't like from the Red Sox, strictly baseball business wouldn't have done. It, it. was reactionary to inaction. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what I like. It's, yeah, I think it will always be looked at as like a reactionary thing just because of what Rob just laid out there was, they mm-hmm. saw the writing on the wall of what could potentially happen. So I like, it yeah. is like at the end of the day, it's reactionary to inaction. Cause I think they realized what they might lose out on. Yeah, and well, then, like they, they were, well, it was trying guys. Like, it was. I mean, let's be honest. Like we can be passionate about it. We can talk about it all the time. Red Sox Twitter can talk about it all the time. But in a year where baseball 
attendance, it's not hard to find. Go look at baseball reference. In the year that baseball attendance was up almost everywhere else, it was down here. And and even and you guys have been to enough games where, you know, that vibe that those oh. do, those Dodgers fans had, it was right. people were going to the games to hang out, right? They're going to hang out. And and, and you got you guys were, Yeah, you guys would know better than I but it, it seemed like you know those nine dollar. You forget about the one dollar tickets. They you know, did. They did student nines today. By the way, they did student nines when tickets were cheaper than nine dollars. That's one. absurd. Student yeah. one. That yeah. yeah that's that's screwing the students. Yeah. Rob, I, I, I'm totally with you. I, I went to a game last week. Uh, Red Sox Orioles. Red Sox versus a first place Orioles team. It was like going to a morgue. Nobody. Nobody cared. Red Sox won. Nobody cared. It was like, oh, cool. Well, and this is the this is the other part about it, which is you know when you look at this Red Sox team, it's been this slow play, slow play, slow play. Oh, hey, everyone, pay attention! You got uh, you got Nick Robertson. He's good. Oh, who's he? What? What happened? Okay, you need guys. They know this. The guys that that people want to invest their time and money in are so few and far between ever than ever before. Obviously Devers. Great. Devers is not that guy. I know. Uh, but no, it, no it, one is going out of their way. to. It go doesn't see feel Devers. that. It doesn't feel that way. Right. And, and when they, and I, I referenced this before today, I mean, like I was thinking back, you know, when Mookie about the, like you talked about the Sam Kennedy press conference and their reaction to it. Well, if you ever want to understand how important it is to push away the apathy, Let's go back to that Mookie Betts press conference when they were so worried, and rightfully so, that you traded Mookie. And not only did you trade a great player, but you traded the guy that all the little kids had the jerseys of. Who was your favorite player? Mookie. They understood that. And that's why in the middle of that press conference, you're getting references to college ticket prices, you know, and things like that. Because they were paranoid about it. And that's where we had landed right now, I think. I think that we could talk all day long about what the team is going to look like, what job he was doing. But a big part of this is that they felt the apathy creeping in. And they weren't confident that they were going to be able to have an offseason, I think, that was going to be able to, to, to actually harness that. Pretty yeah. uh, also pretty coincidental that it happened on a day where one of their radio stations in the the two radio stations in the city one had a half day because they were going to the broadcast wouldn't be able to really talk about it like it literally broke as we were coming off the air for Gresham Fourier and then you also have two doubleheaders where people aren't really caring about it right into Thursday night football beautiful news dump period for them so just. This point. is the issue. This is Take the issue. You, you're the ownership group of the Red Sox has won four titles. Think back to 2004. Imagine four titles and still a huge chunk of the fan base can't stand them. That's how bad they are at handling stuff like this. It's unbelievable. Like it's so it's so insulting as a fan over and over and over again. This stuff like Coop, what you just explained, a news dump. And there, I'm sure there's people who don't notice that. But there's a lot of people who do notice. And it's like. Do you think we're idiots? You think it ate up the entire pregame. It, like, yeah. The ridiculous. entire pregame would have been Christian Arcan talking about like the whole Heimblum firing, what that might mean. Instead, yeah. it was Sam Kennedy talking about how sorry they are about yeah. the situation, how much they love. They want it known. 
that this isn't a shot at Heimblum's character. Wow. He's still wow. a good guy. He is a good guy. Beautiful. But he was just but shot is- in the back of the head by good, uh, good friend of mine, good friend of mine who I've known forever, absolutely hates the ownership group. And he's always all season last year, the year before, always texts me how much he hates John Henry. And I'm always standing up like he's been the best owner in our lifetime, pretty much the only one. Over and over, I'm always standing up for him. Today, he texts me, I'm like, I'm nothing, I'm not. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stand up for a question, though, because this is this is baseball isn't boring and it's a national podcast. Us bemoaning and crying about ownership, having to shake things up after also just winning four World Series in the 21st century. That's what I mean. But like. On the grand scheme of things, do you think we're all 20 years down the road here? We're in our 40s. We're in our Rob, that would put you in your 50s. Um, So, like, would we still look back at this period and be like, yeah, that sucked. But the ownership still continues to be like, hey, when all else fails, just dump money into something and hope it, like, wins a World Series. Because... I like. I'm pretty confident in that happening. Is that what people have been asking for? Haven't people just been asking them to dump money like almost aimlessly? But that's that's the result of like what just happened. Hey, listen. I think listen. The Philadelphia Phillies are pretty good. It seems like a pretty good time to be a Philadelphia Phillies fan, right? For how long? Trey Turner. You know what? Trey Turner was pretty pricey. You know what? For the next year or two. Okay. Okay. What, it, was, what, it was last year. It was this year. My guess is they're going to be good next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're good the next year after that. And then you figure it out. My point is, is that. Dodgers. And then you got Trey Turner for like for like eight years after that. Well, yeah. he's pretty good. Be the worst team in the league for. But like, but all right. So, Gordo, here's the thing that like we, we talked about this, the core. I accidentally referenced Sammy last week or last time saying it was you that came up with this. I credit Gordo for this. The waves, having that core of waves. You are counting on people that have not shown production at the MLB level yet. That's what you're betting on. And that's like, this is the two philosophies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is like the two philosophies that people have been debating all year. Whether you want to spend right now on guys that you've already seen and like have had that production or whether you want to put faith into guys that you have not seen yet. That is the gamble that you are playing. And I'm personally more comfortable putting money into guys that are a little bit younger in knowing that they can pan out because they've already demonstrated at that level. Fans are already at the point where they've given Heim Bloom three years, and these are the guys that were most likely on the fence when everything started happening and you shipped out Mookie. Those fans are now at the point where I've waited three years to see someone get signed. I haven't seen that yet. I think the majority of your people are in that camp now where they're just like, go out and sign a big name. I want to see someone that I know can play. And I think the safer bet in a lot of these times is, going out and signing those guys that already have years under their belt and where, yeah, they're young and you don't know where they're going to go, but that's sometimes worth paying a little extra money than taking the safer route and not knowing if you know that where, three-year wait is going to pan out down the road even more. You know where, you know where they did, you know where Heim, you know where Heim Bloom, like we focus on, okay, you know, he signed Story, okay, whatever. Um, you signed Yoshida, okay. But you know where he like broke off and actually did the thing that we're asking, or at least I'm asking, was 
Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin. Great signings. And, and, well, and also, so this is the example. Where would they be without Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin? They would be the Oakland A's or something like that. I mean, there is at some point you have to pay. We, we say this, it's an overused term, but you have to pay for certainty. And in this case, what they didn't do was they didn't pay for certainty in the starting rotation. And what, what you want to do is exactly what the, you look at the bullpen. This is how it should work where you have the guys, you pay these guys who you have a pretty good idea who they are, while you have these other younger guys coming up and figuring out who's good, who's not. That should be going on in the starting rotation. Instead, Brian Bayo, the young guy, is being, go get him, Brian. You know, go get him. And let's hope that everybody else is good. And I know Tanner Houck was good. And I hope he is good, a great guy. But, like, this is... This is where, like, they have to start getting uncomfortable in free agency, getting uncomfortable in trading some of this farm system that you built up for these guys that I'm talking about. And Rob, Rob, you're right. You're talking about about spending the money or trading the guys to get the guy. It does take that. And Coop, I want to go back to what you said. You talked about do you do you rely on prospects or do you do you pay money for certainty? It's got to be both. It has yes. to be both. That's the only way to do it. And Rob, you talked about the rotation and not paying for certainty. To be able to have that balancing act of both cost-controlled options, because you need those, and being able to spend on high-end guys, you can only spend on the high-end guys if you have enough young, right? Yes. basically minimum stars. And if, you, if they just paid for a bunch of certainty in the rotation this year, they never would have had no, the opportunity no, to go but, out and but, see but if they, a guy but, like but Cutter here's, Crawford, here's the, here's, here, No, here's the problem. Is that, no, you you did. You you paid Corey Kluber, okay? It did, yeah, and it didn't whiffed, all right? So you didn't, you didn't, and this, listen, there's no such thing as certainty. I get that. But the problem is, is that when you were presented the opportunity to – to allocate money to guys who you had a pretty good idea, you knew what they were going to do. And I'll give you two. Two guys, Zach Eflin and Nathan Avaldi. All right? So Zach Eflin, they crowed like we heard it. They they had the same offer as the Rays. He just, he's from Florida, so he's going to choose to go to the Rays. That was awful. That should have been perceived as an awful look. Because, yeah, it was. Be, well, because because Zach, because Zach Eflin, if you hear that, first of all, you bid outbid by the Rays, which is dumb, should never happen. Number two, he's from Orlando, and you have the tax laws. You know you're going to have to pay more. You're the Boston Red Sox. You've identified the right guy. Pay more. Same thing with Evaldi. Same thing. Where, yeah, okay, we know the story that he he turns it down. He gets a qualifying offer. They sign out the guys. He comes back. He wants the deal. They said, we already spent the money. If you know that you want the guy, you're the Boston Red Sox. You sign the guy. That's it. But Rob, there's a Rob, flaw there, really though, funny. Rob. Like, Hold on. There's a flaw there. This okay. particular offseason, there's a flaw there because what are they? About $5 million short of the luxury tax? How and much they, was Corey Kluber? He was ten mil. Right. But, but we didn't know that Corey Kluber was going to be terrible. Right. But if you sign these other guys... You don't sign Corey Kluber. Right, so, but how many other guys are you signing? 
Just one? I, I, I'm talking about these two other guys and then figure it out from there. I don't care how you figure it out, but you can figure it out from there. And you can get you can get close enough to get under the luxury tax. That's fine. And I understand like this this luxury tax and you 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 don't want to just go crazy and, and spend all the and the payroll was still, you know, it was decent. It's not like they aren't spending money. All I'm saying is that these are examples of them sticking to the model. And, and, you know, maybe these are flawed examples. I don't know. But there are examples of them sticking to the model and not understanding that if you're going to get in that world, you have to break off from the model. You just do. It's not only me. It's baseball, people in baseball, across the board. And that has been the problem. You know, I'm not saying do what Dave Dombrowski did with David Price and offer him $40 million more than the next team. No. But at the same time, if you're going to get in that game and you know this is an important piece of the puzzle, which we would agree that position was pretty important. Maybe they overvalued the guys that they had. I don't know. Yeah, little little, little bit of an issue with the, the signing guys who were – you know, a paying for certainty, I guess you could say. Uh, who's the number one pitching prospect on the market in free agency? I yeah, think we all know who it is. Yes. It's a guy who yeah. hit zero major league innings. Yeah. So like, right. what if what if the next GM brings Yamamoto in? There's no certain, uh, we, we, you know, I've, I put that on the bumper sticker. There's no such thing. There's like a little disclaimer. Caveat, There's no such caveat. thing. There was people, people were like saying that about Otani when he came in. Like, that's the thing. It's like, that's what you don't know. And like, that is the gamble that you take. I, like, that's why I said, like, I don't like really subscribe to either thing. I'm just trying to enjoy some ball. But I do <laughs> think that there is value on one side of paying for what you have seen already. Yeah. Like, I, I, Gordo, it wasn't a shot at you. Like, I do believe that oh, that is right. a very fair thing. You're right. I just think it works. It's different systems work in different areas and different markets. You know, so you know, I just don't you know, think it panned out. You know, okay, here's what I, for, you know, we focus so much on free agency and Yamamoto and everything else. This is what I want to see happen. And this is what they didn't do. That the Heim never got for whatever reason he just never did. Which is find, forget about the like the grizzled veteran guy. Find the guy who's on the precipice. Maybe, maybe it's like one of those We're bringing Mar- back Rossi? Maybe, sure. You said but grizzled. Maybe, no, no, no. Maybe it's one of those Marlins pitchers, right? <laughs> find the guy that you are very convinced that this is the guy to get. And we are going to trade for you. And in order to do that, you have the problem is, is that you have to give up some of these guys, these these prospects that you have. The problem is they just simply will never did that. They never did it. That's the issue. That's the biggest issue, in my opinion. That's the biggest problem that I had with Heim Bloom. And I said today on Twitter, I posted I liked him. I was about sixty five percent sold, but my biggest issue was hugging the prospects. And a lot of these hypothetical trades, Rob, I was talking to Rob before the show about this. Sometimes I put them out there intentionally a little crazy. Like today, my trade for Bobby Witt Jr., a bunch of prospects for Bobby Witt Jr. Granted, they're good prospects, but the amount of people who have, and and this has shifted in the Red Sox Nation fan base, who have gone from prospects don't matter, we love Dave Dombrowski, to we can't trade any prospects. There has to be a happy medium and I feel like the last two GMs, there's not been a medium. It's been one way or the other. So whoever comes in next can name all these guys. We don't know who it is. I hope 
they have a good balance. And I think the best friggin' example of that is the Dodgers because they do trade prospects. Some of them pan out elsewhere. That's fine because they get the major league talent back. They got a good farm. They can replace them in the farm. They've got the major league talent. And it's like a cycle. It just keeps going and going and going. So that's my big hope is that there's a happy medium. And right now we're kind of like All going right, back So let me ask each of you, is there a guy, and if you don't have one, that's fine. Is there a guy you say, I, hope that, guy. They, I hope that they get this guy? No. All right, cool. Don't All right, say cool. Theo. Don't say Theo, cool. Yeah, Theo, Theo is not allowed. And Cora really, Cor, Cor is not allowed either. I, I, I would really like to see Eddie Romero. I, okay. He's been in the organization for a while. He kind of knows, I would imagine, what ownership is looking for. I like they that. did say they weren't opposed to bringing in someone that hasn't been a big league GM before. And I don't know if that's necessary. I would want to see him as a GM, not cert- not so much of like the baseball operations, and see what he can do to actually bring in someone that might be creative that can do the like chief baseball operations side of it. I think that's my that's maybe the safest thing. Like I, whenever I hear about like young talent, it's typically coming from Eddie Romero. I mean, he was kind of the he's first done, guy. He, to listen, tell he's us. done a, he's done a great job. I mean, yeah. he, he has. So I mean, I don't. Do I don't I know think, if he wants think, that. No, do I think that's going to happen? No, because I think that this you know comes back to what we're talking about perception, yeah, the perception and the fan base and the energizing the fan base. So they are um, looking for like a fresh face. Well, just we'll like as a f- uh, well, let me ask these guys. So uh, Gordo, what do you got? You got someone? Yeah, I do, and it's your report, Rob. I just think Brandon Gomes. I think anyone associated with the Dodgers, because the Dodgers prioritize the things that Heim prioritized that were important, the farm development, the constant flow of prospects. He's taught Jake Iggy posted a good video today of an of an interview that he did on MLB Network, I believe at the winter meetings this past year, where he talked about, yes, it's important to have, it's great, it's a blessing to have ownership that's willing to spend so much, but we can't get lost in that. It's important to have that constant flow of prospects so we can do the things that ownership allows us to do and back that up. I want that because he he understands that he's done it before he's he's watched it happen and he knows pitching and he has keys to the Dodgers pitching lab. Well, and that's you know and like this much like they tried to siphon the Rays magic. You know, I think that if you can siphon a team's magic, forget about the Rays. Oh, the Rays are different Dodgers. because the Rays are di- as we found out. You know the Rays way of doing you can do a lot in that market that you just can't do. It's just a fact. That what Gomes is dealing with the Dodgers now. Here's my only problem with with that is that you have to give him the president of baseball operations title. He's the GM of the Dodgers now, and I don't know if they would be willing to do that. You know, Who's I don't that? know. I don't know if he's that guy for them. Like for me, like he's a GM, and it's I know it's semantics, but you got to change titles. You know, so. I don't You're know. Not going to be able to. Are you? Don't think you'd be able to pry him just for a lateral move, though, right? No, I don't. Have to give him that promotion. Yeah, yeah. So, but Fall River guy, Red Sox fan, the whole works. All right, Sammy, who do you got? Anybody? 
No, I don't have anybody. I, I, would, I would be. Like, I, I want to take. A, I want to take a screenshot of Sammy right now. He like epitomizes everything about this day. No, I, I, I don't have anyone. I'd be lying if, if I name like not not saying you guys are lying. I don't know anything about Gomes. I don't know anything about any of these other non GM front office guys. And I'd be lying if I said I did. The only name that came to mind is James Click because he had a good tenure with the Astros, cleaning up their mess after like the scandal. Too. Other than that, like, come on. I'll 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 put good faith in whoever we bring in because the Red Sox have a solid track record. Um, granted, not long tenures, but solid. What if track- the, like the scouting department made like a Twitter account where they just tweet out polls of <laughs> like different prospects and like, hey guys, who are we like promoting today? What should the roster look like today? And that's how we just decide everything. We become a complete democracy. Twitter polls. I, that, seem, that seems to be like what everyone wants on Red Sox Twitter now is to just control the Red Sox. Oh, so I think man, that's the best way to go about Twitter, it. If Red Sox would be on the Red Sox? Told the Red Sox, Tristan Casas would be in Worcester right would now. Would it be democracy or anarchy? Been tra- who, do, who would Casas have been traded for if, if it were all up to Red Sox Twitter? Back in April, who would they have traded him Six for? Sixto Sanchez. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gosses would be on, in Miami batting. Alec Man- I would get Alec Manoa just Manoa. for the chaos of Verdugo and Manoa on the same team. So, no, the, uh, yeah, some, some, someone like that. Some, it, oh, Hunter Renfro. There you go. It, he'd be on Bring the back. Hunter Renfro, they'd be like, I think he's got good enough fundamentals to play first, take over for Cassis, you know. Dude, so, so do you know about speaking for of, the monster? Speaking of Cassis, do you guys know about this bat with Joe Castiglione? The red nail polish. Yeah. So if he hits one more home run, Joe will Joe will let Tristan Cassis point paint his uh, nails red. <laughs> so so one more home run. Now talking to Cassis after game one today, I made a side bet with him. I said if he hits thirty home runs, which would be six kind more. Of degenerate. Well, I mean, this is Fanduel, a lot of bets. So thank you, Fanduel. Um, <laughs> Responsibly. So yeah, six six more home runs to thirty. Then I would get a small tattoo of a fire truck somewhere. Yes, Whoa. yes. But if he doesn't hit thirty on the last day of the season, he has to wear his baseball isn't boring T shirt everywhere he goes. So I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's win. a great bet. That's a good bet. That's a, how many games are there left? Like fifteen? Yeah. Nah, he's not. He's, yeah, I'm not, not gonna, gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna, that shirt. That's gonna, gonna be all over the web. It's gonna be all over the place. I mean, yes. I mean, he's gonna be sunbathing it with on the sidewalk. Cease uh, one day, cast us the next. My, my, I know that was great. Um, so I think that when it comes back to perception, and I do think you know, and course correction, I don't know if they can just go out and get sort of the analytically driven guy, like the, the Sam Fold or someone like that. Uh, uh, I think that there has to be that you have to energize the fan base somehow. Now the guy would be Mike Hazen, right? Mike Hazen, but he's under contract for another year. I don't know what you know how much he wants to stay in Arizona. He's got roots there. He's been there a while. Um, but other than that, I would definitely not be averse to getting in a more of a, a baseball guy, and then bringing in maybe as a GM a more analytically driven guy, but a baseball guy. I'm talking about you know Dayton Moore. I'm talking about John Daniels. I'm talking about Jason James Click. I'm talking about these sort of guys. You know, so I don't have a I don't have a name that I want, but I do have a strong opinion in that the guy that comes in 
I really believe should be a veteran. It would be a little odd. That's what I mean. I want a guy who is not afraid to pull the trigger on a trade. So that's why I said click, because that's the only guy who I know might be available that has a good track record. Oh, I think think both the two guys that I mentioned are available and willing. Dayton Moore? Is he available? Doesn't he have – didn't something weird happen with him? I don't know. I don't want to say stuff out of pocket. No, but he was – he won a World Series with Kansas City, but more more importantly, almost, and I know of him for years. Like he is all about culture, and he also isn't afraid to make trades. And he's had no budget with Kansas City, and he came yeah. up through the Braves, John Sherholtz, which is, by the way, they were awesome at trade. Like they were so good at trades, and he's been pretty good at trades. And again, like another that. guy, I got that John Daniels up until the last couple of years there. Like he had a pretty good run in the with the Rangers. No, obviously not afraid. One. Not afraid to make trades. He's with the Rays right now as a special assistant. So, um, yeah, so those sort of guys intrigue me. John um, Daniels, I haven't heard that name all day. That's an interesting one. I don't know why. You, have you guys seen that name today? Rob, Rob have you seen, I haven't seen that name all day. That's a really interesting one. I totally forgot about him. Yeah, we're spacing out the names. I mean, I'm, tomorrow when you tomorrow when you wake up, you'll see there'll be a fresh batch. There'll yeah. be like because uh, I sat in the press box with all these people asking everyone who should I put on this list. Like nobody knows. I put Wally on the list today. Did you? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's finish it. Like okay, L- let me have my say of this Chris Sale stupid stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Boom. Okay. That's yeah. Right. So so obviously you know. The Chris Sale, so I, I reported within this column, and then I guess I did it first on the radio, that... that Which, by the way, you, Monday, you had, you had mentioned that something had happened that would, if it were to happen, it wouldn't help out uh, Bloom too much. I don't remember so, that. Okay. No, he said, I think he said, he said that off air. Ah. All right, scrub that part. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so anyway... You're trying to paint the entire picture. A lot of the, the picture is obviously, you know, this this idea that, you know, throughout baseball, making deals with Haim is very challenging. And so you have to give examples. So as you guys know, uh, so I, I had found out about this, this Chris Sale deal, um, which was a year ago, well, in 2022, trade deadline, Chris Sale's on the IL, uh, a team – said, you know, we, we want Chris Sale. We're willing to pay his entire contract and give you two guys. Probably not very good guys, whatever. Um, and Time Bloom and the Red Sox say, no, we want better guys, even though you're taking on two and a half years of over $55 million. All right. So it was an example. It was the most powerful example that I had. And it really only came to – I was only able to really – tie it all in today when all this stuff went down for reasons I can't say, but that's when it all came together. That's when I can report it. And so I report it. And, um, and with the understanding, Chris Sale has 10, five rights and he can veto any trade. That's not really part of the equation because it evidently never got that far. All I can say is this, is that this is a hundred percent true. A hundred percent true. This did not come from, and I'll say this too, it came from a major league source. It did not come from a Red Sox source. So this isn't like I've seen this a lot, ownership, smear campaign, everything else. That's not what this is. It's not. This just happened, 
And it's an example of what happened. So I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me if people believe it or don't believe it or whatever it is, but it did happen. And this is an example of what, uh, what we're talking about. So, yeah. So, you know, whatever, whatever it's worth. I love, I didn't realize people were questioning the validity of it. I think it's somewhat Uh, believable. Like that's the, the thing is just like, you don't want to believe something like that happened, but it is believable for like the track record of what we've seen so far, which like, that's why it makes sense that it's like the final. Let me, let me paint the picture of, of without knowing of what maybe what the Red Sox were thinking, right? Chris Sale is coming back from Tommy John. He looks pretty good for the first uh, one and a half outings that he's pitched. Decent. Certainly there's no signs that, you know, this is the only problem. He had no problem with shoulder. It was the only elbow. Tommy John, he's on his way. You're going to need Chris Sale. They, he's going to be the anchor. That's how they feel. The injury that he had, broken finger, okay. But that's why they want to hold on to him. Now, did it make sense? No, it doesn't. But this again, this is this is the this is a microcosm of what we're talking about. This is the example of what we're talking about that the Red Sox choose to value things in a different way than mo- a lot of people would value things. But w- in this case, all I can tell you is that I can say with a hundred percent certainty. This happened. So there you go. Yeah. And I think it's funny that people are like, oh, oh, now this comes out right after Bloom got fired. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, when, that's how these things work. Yeah. That when, why would it come out before? Like, what, it, people always think they're onto something and it's, it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I understand it all. Like, I, but I, I'll, you know, I, as much as I can say stuff, I'll say it in terms of like, you know, I know that everyone's their emotions are raw and everybody's fired up about everything. And we I mean, we had a, a lot of it on this podcast, but this is this was not coming from ownership. Like this was not coming from the Red Sox. So um, yeah. So anyway, there you go. Good stuff. All right, really, weird time to be a Red Sox. Yeah, I'm reading all these people on Twitter right now standing up for you, Rob, saying like, "Why would people uh, lie?" It's pretty funny. Yeah, well, yeah, every no. every one yeah. there's every two two others. It's all right. People's emotions are running hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a time. It is time. All right, guys. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.